Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for your support. Thank you to Pastor Josh for this opportunity and praise the Lord for this deeper calling to devotion. Okay. Uh, today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3. I'm just kind of laughing in my head because I was telling a, a few people I was going to I was going to come out here and play a joke on you guys about how nervous I was and just be like, <laughs> and, uh, no, but just kidding, but I am, but that's okay. Um, and uh, this verse really ministered to me. Uh, it's a verse, uh, these verses actually, that came to me a, a couple months ago that I had been holding on to in my heart. And it was during a time where I was just feeling overwhelmed and anxious and frustrated um, because of everything that is going on in the world and um, on top of life responsibilities and getting through the everyday life. And, and I remembered, um, finally, I just in my frustration, I started praying and I caught myself in my prayer. And I said, Lord, why can't I figure this out? And the Lord impressed on me. I didn't ask you to figure out anything. I asked you to follow me. And I realized I was trying to figure out the world instead of living my life with Christ. Instead of following his lead and direction. And that's the title of the sermon today life with Christ. Before we get started, let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we lay our lives down. We give them to you. Whatever's going on in our minds, in our hearts, in our spirits, Lord, that is not causing us to look to you, connect to you, grow in you and your love and who you are to walk by you in your light of an example. We set that all aside right now, Lord, and ask that you would come in through your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, and move us in your direction. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, so life with Christ. When these verses came to me, during that time, I realized I was trying to figure out what I was going to do instead of living the life I was called to. That's when I realized my life with Christ shouldn't be a second nature. It should be my only nature. And is the only life I need to live. All the things that don't align my life in Christ do not need priority in my life. It is not securing me in, if it's not securing me in Christ from sin and doubt, if it is not causing me to live a pleasing life of obedience with Him, if it does not reassure me of my salvation, 
it is of no importance and can be set aside or needs to be removed. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Those who truly believe in Christ as their Lord and Savior are given a new life. And it's a life from that point on that no longer lives for self-want and desire, but lives for God's eternal blessings. I was looking for what I wanted to happen. My way. Not for what God was doing or calling me to do. And that brings us to our verses here. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you, will, you also will appear with him in glory. If then you have been raised with Christ, Paul opens up this chapter with a self-evaluating statement that's better translated since. In other words, Paul is saying, since the day that you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are, of, that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Because of our union with God in Christ Jesus, we have been made new and alive to know and understand God's spiritual truths, realities, and blessings for our lives. New life opportunity. They are the foundational truths of Christianity. And while they are a good start to a new life with Christ, they are a good checkpoint throughout the life of all believers. These foundational truths being the truth of repentance, turning away from both sin and trying to earn salvation through our works. Turning away, not just turning away, but turning to God. This is the truth of faith, that there is salvation through faith in Christ alone, Ephesians 2 says. The truth of baptism, both water baptism, which is a public display of our faith in Christ, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment given by God to live a life that is pleasing to God. That's why we're, we get convicted about things. The conviction is good. It is God's spirit within us warning us, danger, don't do that. This is the truth of laying on of hands or gifts, finding your spiritual gifts and using them for the glory and service of God. 
the truth of resurrection from the dead, that Christ has been risen from the grave and now sits at the right hand of God, and that we too will rise with him both spiritually and physically. Not only that, but we believe and look forward to the actual return of Christ, the rapture of the church, and the reality of new heaven and earth. And the last one, the truth of eternal judgment. The final judgment to determine where we will spend eternity living. These foundational truths not only authenticate the faith of a new believer, they also reappraise and strengthen the life of a true believer and their current stand in life with Christ. This life with Christ is a life lived according to the word of God, not man's traditions. And if we take the time to think on these things, on those things that I listed, if, if we were to really take the time to thoroughly think them through and seek them in the word of God, what it truly means, we wouldn't have time to worry about what the word is, world is doing. We wouldn't get caught up in our anxiousness about how is this going to happen? What am I supposed to do? What if it comes at me this way? And that's my first point here. Keep God's word above all. What is the difference between man's traditions and God's truth? The difference is, tradition is man's way of doing things according to their standard of right and wrong, as they see fit, whereas the truth of God produces righteousness and brings him honor and glory. For if we aim, what, what, if we aim at what is honorable, not in, only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man, 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, if we genuinely live a life with Christ, our greatest concern in life will be to do what is right in His sight and honor Him before others according to His word. We need to be careful not to put the traditions of man before the word of God in our lives. Tradition separates us and leaves us feeling unsure and anxious, but the word of God produces righteousness, and the work of righteousness will be peace, Isaiah 32 tells us. Psalm 119, verse one and two say, blessed or happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the way of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who live their life with Christ. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, God. Are we more worried about pleasing man than we are about sinning against God? <clears throat> Why is it that we will make mandatory the ways of man, including our own ways in our lives, but won't willingly share God's truth with each other. 
Could it be we are putting these things before God in our lives? This is what I realized. I was getting so caught up in everything that's happening in the world and dealing with my life responsibilities that they started to take priority in my life. And I was getting frustrated and I was getting anxious. I, re I remember um, as I was going through this, my wife and I, we went to uh, Disneyland a few weeks ago. We got passes for the first time. Woo! <laughs> for the first time in our lives. And uh, we were there all day uh, this day, all day from like 10 in the morning. And I think we were leaving around 7.30, 8 o'clock or something. And um, I mean, if you go to Disneyland, you know what it's like. You got to literally live there to enjoy it. And, um, and so it's the end of the day. And when we're walking back to the parking structure, um, I notice people kind of looking back, looking stuff. And I'm like, OK, what's going on here? And I'm like, I'm a pre precautious person and very attentive. So wherever I go, I'm always like looking at my surroundings. And so I notice people doing that. But then I hear some, somebody crying, just hysterically, <laughs> just crying. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? And I look, and there's some guy, some kid, I don't know, late teens, early 20s, and he's just like on the floor, like bawling, crying. And everybody's just walking by, like looking at him and just, and I'm so tired. <laughs> and I'm like, please, I don't wanna do this right now. And, and was starting to put my, my tradition before nah, the Lord. And, and so I walked up to the guy and um, I just walk up to him and I go, hey, what's up with you? And so, because he's crying, I'm not, I'm, I'm not gonna go over there and be like, hey, how are you doing? Um, I notice you're crying, are you good? So I just like, and it, my, it, but my, it annoys my, my wife sometimes and my family how straightforward I am. But I went up to him and I'm like, what's up with you, man? And he's like, nothing, no, nothing. And I go, no, something's wrong, obviously. And then he, he ends up telling me, he's like, oh, my boyfriend just dumped me. I'm left here, I'm alone, you know, and... Um, and I was like, dude, that's a bummer, man. Like, and I told him, hearts of the lessons, uh, lessons of the heart are always the hardest, you know, but um, you need to make sure that you grow from this, you mature from this. And, you know, I'm a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And although you may not feel loved right now because of what happened, you need to know there's a God who loves you. And I, uh, then I told him to get up and give me a hug. And then I, that's it. And then I went on my way. <laughs> but see here, I realized. Man said to make mandatory, keep six feet away from him. Christ said, go into all the world, even Disneyland and preach the gospel to all creation. Yeah. 
If we can go as far as honoring man's decree of right and wrong, how much more should we as believers be honoring God's decree of right and wrong? If we are willing to do what man sees fit for good, how much more should we as believers be willing to do what God sees fit for good? In Mark chapter 7, Christ himself dealt with tradition being placed over God's commandments. He rebuked and corrected the Pharisees about it when they were pressuring the disciples for not performing their tradition of washing their hands before they ate. And Christ said to them, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men, thus making void the word of God. The Pharisees were making mandatory their way of doing things and pressuring it be done by others over the word of God. And I don't know about you, but if my life is genuinely in Christ and for Christ, I'm going to put those things first. I'm not going to let somebody tell me that I can't love the Lord my God. Our personal life choices are between us and God, and only we know if we are truly living upright in the sight of the Lord and have peace with God. It's not our duty or place to pressure and convince people to do as we do. Our greatest responsibility as believers is to do our best to present ourselves to God as one approved by God, someone who accurately lives a life with Christ according to his word. That's 2 Timothy 2.15. Listen, I'm not saying you're right for doing something and you're wrong for not doing something or vice versa. Do as you see fit for the well -be your well-being and the well-being of your family in regards to mandates or whatever it is. What I am saying is don't let these things interfere with your relationship with Christ or override God's word in your life and cause you to separate yourself from the church. We need to, verse 2 of Colossians, set our minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And the only way we can and will do this is by being in the word of God and keeping it in our hearts. John MacArthur said, heavenly thoughts can come only by understanding heavenly realities. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 5 and 6 say, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. This is as good as it gets. Is that all you want in life? I just want as good as it gets. Or do you want the best? But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. And that's my second point. Live out God's word above all. Those who truly live a life with Christ will not only keep God's word first in their lives, they will continually align their lives with his word, with who he is. Does this mean we will get it right every time that we're going to perfectly execute this? No. And the Lord knows this. That's why he called this to repentance, not perfection. Hebrews 4.16 says, So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. And we will find grace to help us when we need it most. The New Living Translation puts it. When I was thinking about this, I thought about Kanye West. And how he, he, how he may not be perfectly executing this Christian life, but he's trying he keeps incorporating the Lord and sharing the Lord and bringing up Jesus, putting Jesus' name on high. And it really encouraged me. Because one thing he's not doing is holding back his faith and living for the Lord. He's in these interviews talking about his new life with Christ, even spilling out his failures, but sharing how the Lord is working in and through him. I was blown away at the last interview I heard, heard with him when they asked him uh, about his new album and said, uh, what made you take all the cuss words out of the album? And he said, well, we don't need to be listening to music with our families that are just vulgar and violent and corrupt. And I, I've realized now that we can make competitive music in the world that still keeps Jesus' name on high. And I was blown away at that. Because I honestly believe this guy's genuinely trying to live his life with Christ. And I hope to God he keeps maturing in that life with Christ. Does this mean we will get it right every time or perfectly execute it? No. But we will continually mature and grow and adjust and realign ourselves with the Lord. In my frustration, I, I was praying to God, Lord, I can't figure this out. And then I get all riled up. And this is what I do when I get all riled up. I just walk back and forth like this. 
And I'm like, mm. and my wife is always like, calm down. But the Lord impressed on me as I was praying, oh, you and your little brain. <laughs> little brain, that's something we say at home, like when we make like a big deal out of like the smallest thing. Oh, your little brain couldn't get it. It wasn't until I genuinely came to the Lord that I found the rest and peace and joy in life. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test? When I finally examined myself, I remembered all I need to do is focus on my life with Christ. It wasn't until I focused on Christ that I realized what I was lacking. James chapter 1, 5 through 7. What was it that I was lacking? Here we go. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And that's why I was feeling unsure and unstable and frustrated. I was trying to do what I wanted to do. Live my way that no longer exists. Because if I have been raised with Christ, it's no longer me who lives, but Christ who lives in me. When I finally inquired of God with all my heart, he gave me direction. Follow me. In my anxiousness, I didn't know what to do. And it wasn't until I looked to his word that I knew I could trust him, that I remembered I can trust him. When Thomas was unsure, he came to Christ to know the way to go, what to do, and how to do it. And Jesus reassured him, saying, I am the way, I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, if then you have been raised with Christ, since the day you have been raised with Christ, from now on you do know him and you have seen him. John 14. Christ will always make known to us, just like he did for Thomas, the way to go and the right way to go about it. If it is true that we have been raised with Christ, our lives will identify with Christ and exemplify Christ. We will not be worried about what the world is doing. We'll be more focused on how he's calling us to live through it with him.
Our profiles may say God first, but what is the content, attitude, and behavior of our lives saying? John Corson said, it is not a matter of religion, but of relationship. It is not a question of theology, but of intimacy. It's not about knowing Jesus intellectually, but knowing him personally. Look at verse 3. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ and God. Paul points out that the life we once lived has passed away with Christ. A death. Have you ever had somebody pass away in your life? That's how serious this is. That's how real this is. The life we once lived has passed away with Christ who died for our sins. And Paul then reminds us that we have been risen with him into a new life. That it's a life that is dead to the world and alive to God alone. And that's my third point. Live for Christ alone. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When we truly place our faith in Christ, our entire being is transformed. Not only are our minds renewed and set on the heavenly things, our character Behavior and habits will reflect who he is more and more from the day of our salvation to the day of his return. Does this mean we will be without sin? No. But it does mean we will sin less. It does mean that we won't willingly be committing sins that we know are against the word of God and that offend the Lord. And our life's greatest desire will be to do what is right in the sight of the Lord and honor him above all. Not just to, not to impress people, but honor him above ourselves. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 through 9 says, If we say that we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Salvation takes place once. Regeneration 
is a lifetime thing. Coming back to that point of renewed joy and salvation, maturity in that salvation. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle breaks down sin into three categories. The first one is the lust of the flesh. Wrong desires of the heart that lead to sensual sexual sin. But the Lord teaches us how to counter that. By putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. And making no provision for the flesh. To gratify its desires, Romans 13, 14 says. The next one is the lust of the eyes. The coveting of riches and possessions, which leads to cheating, stealing, lying, and killing. To counter this, the Lord says in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the last one is the pride of life. A vain, self-loving person who craves and desires to have attention and praise. Second Timothy put it this way, that people will be lovers of self with an appearance of righteousness. To counter this pride of life, the Lord tells us in James 4, Chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Paul Washer put it this way, Pastor Paul Washer, I don't know if you guys heard of him, great pastor. A Christian will sin less, but will not be without sin. And when they do sin, it will cause sorrow in their heart and they will be broken over it. While the one who acts as if they have no sin is usually the one who shows little or no evidence of being born again. And this part was heavy when I got to it, for sure, even for me. But it's, a, it's important that we know what is sin against God so that we would not do it. When the apostle, what the Apostle John is pointing out is that a life with Christ will speak for itself. A genuine Christian makes it a point to walk in the light of God's word and matures in conduct according to his word. The more he or she understands its true meaning, that walking in the light as he is in the light is walking in the light of understanding who Christ is for me and in me and through me. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the truth of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I'm not aware of anything against myself, but I am therefore thereby not acquitted either.
It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the motive of the heart. Then each one will receive his commendation from God. What Paul is saying here, because it could easily be taken, oh, well, you can't judge me. Nobody can judge me. Only God can judge me. And he will. So what Paul is saying here is because he knows the heart is deceitful above all, as it says in Jeremiah, and will justify its own doings, he does not worry about the judgment of others against him and doesn't even judge himself, but holds himself accountable to the judgment of God according to his word. We need to stop comparing ourselves to Christians who compare themselves to other Christians who compare themselves to other Christians and look to the Lord Christ and see how righteous we truly are and where we need to grow up, where, what needs to change, what needs to mature. And we can definitely be like this for sure. Well... I'm not doing that, and I'm not doing that. But if Christ were here, what would he say? But you are doing this. And maybe we're not. But that's the sin of omission, right? To know what is right and not do it will be counted as sin against you, the Bible says. And maybe the Lord won't say, but you are doing this. But he said, yeah, but I called you to do this. Why aren't you doing it? What Paul is saying doesn't make us exclusive from each other as well. Galatians 6, 1 says, If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. It is God who has the final say in everyone's life. Our judgment toward others should be the decision to help them reach salvation and continue living a God-honoring life with Christ. Because we are all in different places of life, each of our lives is going to appear different. Our walks with God may look a little different on the surface level, by appearance. However, all who truly live a life with Christ will genuinely show a growing obedience and loyalty to Him and desire to honor Him in every aspect of their life. Our commonality will be Christ. And we won't hesitate to make that the first thing that we talk about, share, or live. The Lord our God. Psalm 18 verse 30 says, This God, His way is perfect. 
The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. Psalm 119 verse 160 says, The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. John Corson said, if you can't involve Christ in what it is you're doing, don't do it. If Christ is our life, if we are genuinely living a life with Christ, and we know that that thing is going to, whatever it is, going to hinder our walking in faith, our deepening our devotion with him, don't do it. It's not enough to stop doing what is wrong. We must start walking rightly so that we do not fall back into old habits. Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead... By the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life, born again. This is not saying that we are saved through baptism. These verses are pointing out that the one who truly believes in Christ as Lord and Savior has been immersed in him and is saved by his fulfilled work of salvation that he gracefully offers to us when we turn to him. To be baptized in Christ is to be submerged in who he is, so much so that we come out new with a fresh, renewed understanding and desire in life to love, honor, and glorify him according to his word. No longer drowning in the things of the world, but walking on earth as it is in heaven. If we have been raised with Christ, we will continually look to Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and walk with him who makes known the path of life. Psalm 16:11 and Colossians 2 tell us. And look at verse 4. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is an everlasting life. You know what the everlasting life in Christ is? It's a life that starts now and then goes on into eternity. No interruptions. No commercial breaks. And every time I think of that, I think of Enoch who walked with God and then he was not, right? Because God was pleased with him. And I always wondered, when Enoch got onto the other side of heaven, was it just another day in the life with Christ with him? He didn't even realize. 
A lot of what we think matters here does not matter at all to God. All that matters to God is our devotion to Him alone. Remember when the Lord reassured Peter after he denied him three times? In John 21, he said, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, you know I do, Lord. And he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? And he's like, Lord, you know I love you. And then he asked him again, and it made Peter sad. He's like, Lord, you know I love you. And then the Lord told him what to do, called him, how to, how, showed him how to live. But the whole point there was that Jesus was reassuring Peter, Peter, I don't need you to add. I don't need your enthusiasm. I just want your commitment. I want to know that you're committed to me, no matter what's going on. That ministered to me greatly. Lord, I can't figure this out, and what do I do, and how do I go about it? Stop worrying about that. I just want to know that you're with me still. To say we have life with Christ in closing is not us saying we live. Actually, let me say this, because I remember... Um, this actually came up in conversation with Travis, uh, our sound guy, last week. And we, this we came up just in conversation. And we were just saying how um, it is a fearful thing and that we hope by the grace of God that we're, we're not put in that situation where we're so scared that we deny the Lord um, in the way that Peter did. And and then it, we thought of these verses, and it just made us realize, like, if that's what we genuinely do not want to happen, then every day we just need to show the Lord that we love Him. And He will make straight our paths. He will keep us safe, as the, the, the Psalms reference said. He's our shield and our refuge. And so for reals, in closing, to say we have life with Christ is not us saying we live two separate lives. It's a declaration of life within Christ alone. And it's a life worth living to the fullest. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we come before you and we give you our lives. We pray, Lord, that from this point on, that we would walk with you, talk with you, get to know you through your word, and that truly you would be more than just a savior to us, but that you would be our Lord. Who better to follow through the, in life, through the world, than the one who has overcome it. We put our faith in you today, Lord. We renew our faith in you today, Lord. You know where we are at, Lord. You know the things that are hindering or trying to drown, drown us in this life, Lord. And we ask that you would pull us up and carry us through.
We love you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, everyone.